Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, good everything really, isn't it? Eh? Episode 100, 305. Thought I'd you know, just discount 200 of my wonderful episodes. Episode 305 of Your Tech Life. Great to have your company, as always. Um, if you are listening on um, on an iPhone and you're using the Pocket Cast app, welcome, hello. If you're listening on an iPhone using the iTunes Podcast app, welcome, hello. If you're sitting at your computer, open iTunes, go to iTunes. Come on, leave a rating. Go to the store, search for Your Tech Life. Let's leave another rating, hey? Let's let's bump it up the chart so that people can find it. Uh, it's always good to have new listeners on the show. There is a lot to talk about tonight. Um, we're going to talk, this is weird, we're going to talk recycling. We're going to talk people management. We're going to talk curing cancer. We're, we're going to talk uh, keeping kids' ears safe. Uh, what else can we talk? We can talk uh, Ziploc bags for mobiles. We're going to talk Costco. Uh, I'm going to talk Netflix. I'm going to talk heart rate monitors. I'm going to talk Apple TV. Now, how I fit that into the next minutes, mainly because I don't know how many minutes. Let's be honest. I'm here to create value for you, and I don't know how many they'll be. But let's crack on with it because uh, always lots of things to talk about. And you are doing, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technology. Uh, you can check them out at garmin.com.au. And as always, you can jump on the Twitters, twitter.com. Just go there and join. Very easy. And after you have, uh, go to twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long. That's me. Hi. Um, and you can follow me there and, um, you know, get involved. Say good day. Uh, you can also follow EFTM and Your Tech Life. And, of course, you can go to the website yourtechlife.com or eftm.com.au anytime you like uh, to read the gibberings that I have and to engage with me there via the email button. Uh, that is what we do. That is what we're here for. And let's, let's get techie. If you've heard me on the radio at all this week, you will have heard this already. But this is the coolest thing I've seen in a very long time. It's called Dream Lab. And it's a partnership between the Garvin Medical Research Institute and the Vodafone Foundation. The Vodafone Foundation is, you know, a charitable arm of Vodafone. You know, they probably donate money all the time. But they thought instead of donating a bunch of money to the Garvin Institute to buy a computer that will help them compute more, and, you know, medical research facilities need computing power to process data to find the solutions to the problems. So what they did was a thing called distributed computing. And it's not new. Uh, I remember in the late 90s, SETI at home was a uh, crazy thing that allowed you to, to take part in the search for extraterrestrial life. 
So you would download this program. They were called programs back then via your dial-up internet. And every night or whenever the program was open, it would download a bit of data from some space agency and it would analyze that data looking for signs of extraterrestrial life. It was cool. It was a bit of fun. This is very similar, but so much better. So Android only at the moment, but you're an Android phone, you go to Google Play and you download the Dream Lab app. It's free. Once you've downloaded the Dream Lab app, it sits on your phone, waiting, waiting for you to charge your phone. And normally that happens at night, right? <clears throat> so you're charging your phone on the bedside table at night and it reaches 100%. At that point, the Dream Lab app opens up and it goes on the internet and it grabs some data from the Garvin Institute and it downloads it onto your phone. And then it sits there and it processes that data and it sends the results back to Garvin. Then it gets more data, reads it, processes it, sends it back to Garvin. Garvin. Now, you can set limits so you can only only use a certain amount of data on your mobile plan and a certain amount of data on your home Wi-Fi plan. But most people wouldn't notice, you know, the use of a couple of hundred meg on their, um, <clears throat> or a gigabyte even, on their home plan. And uh, if you're a Vodafone customer, it's, it's not counted. Um, otherwise, you know, just donate 50 meg. And while you're sleeping, your phone helps the Garvin Institute check its data and find ways of next pursuing their research projects. The idea here is that I think a 1,000 phones using this app uh, contributes 30 times the computing power that Garvin currently have. This is very cool, and it's so simple. Now, it's not a tax-deductible donation. It's not, you know, not something that you know, you're going to get any credit for, except for knowing that you're doing your bit. Basically, no cost to you. So simple to use. So simple to do. And uh, there you are, sleeping, while your phone helps the Garvin Medical Institute, Research Institute, research the fight against cancer. It's very cool. Honestly, I see a lot of apps. And we're going to talk about apps, a new app and a new website and new different things later in the show. But And they're great. But this is amazing, that what you can do on your smartphone is awesome. So I challenge you this. If you're listening to me now and you own an Android smartphone, there is no reason, zero reason, why you would not download this app. Because everyone charges their phone every day. It doesn't have any load on your phone until you're charging, and it's full. There's no reason not to. If you can make a good case not to do it, Go for it. Trust me, though, you won't. So you need to get your act together. You need to go to the Google Play Store and you need to search for Dream Lab. Download it now. All right? Contribute. Help. It's the coolest thing that you will have done for no cost in a very long time. Check it out. It's called Dream Lab. It is in the Google Play Store for Android smartphones. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Jump onto iTunes. Go to the store. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. It's always lovely because it uh, it feels like people are out there. Someone else who's out there is Chris. G'day, Chris. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Mate, I'm after a fitness tracker that I can wear on my arm, like a watch that's got primarily, I want it with the general basic fitness tracker stuff, but with heart rate built into the actual unit so I don't mm. have to wear a, a strap. 
And another big one that I'm having trouble finding is one that you can swim in the pool with without it being just water resistant. Mm, you've, uh, you've asked for something quite tricky, really. Um, because you think about it, right, there's a lot of uh, fitness trackers, you know, your Fitbits, Jawbones and stuff, but you wouldn't really want to wear them swimming. No. Um, Garmin have a bunch of things, but I think most of them require that kind of strap around your chest okay. as, uh, as the heart rate monitor. Um, a lot of smartwatches now have, um, uh, you know, built-in heart rate monitors, but probably, what, is it just the heart rate you want or with the swimming, is there more to it for you? No, no, not at all. I just you know, I want an all-round sort of fitness tracker that gives me a bit of everything, but I want to be able to jump in the pool and do my laps in the pool and not have to worry about either one taking off or if I forget to take it off, go in and, and have it fail. How much are you prepared to spend? Oh, mate, probably around, hopefully around the 350, 400 mark. So it rules out a few things. I mean, and, and to be honest, I think that's going to be your limitation. Yeah. Right. Um, for example, I mean, obviously, an Apple Watch is, has got a heart rate monitor in it. Very, very strong uh, compatibility there. Even a lot of the smartwatches, the Huawei, I think even the Samsung. But you know, they're expensive. They're the four to five hundred dollar mark plus. Um, Garmin's um, Phoenix Three is seriously just be- it's sensational. It's just unbelievably outstanding. I'm actually just trying to check whether the heart rate monitor is built into that one. But again, yep. it's a uh, you know, it's a six, seven, eight hundred dollar timepiece because it's you know more than just a you know silly fitness tracker, right? Yeah. Um. So that that you know those things really do hit you hard when you start adding everything in that you want. Yep. You start pushing it out of the um out of the price range. Yeah. Right. Um. I I I think you'll struggle, but I'm happy to look into it a bit more and try and find a couple, but. Uh, heart rate monitors. There might be one of those other brands that you know, not a really common brand, if we're honest. But like, yeah. um, you know, Polar. Um, they're around a bit, but again, they're they're still in the five six hundred dollar range. Um, I'm wondering whether any of the Tom Tom. I'm wondering if the, the Tom Tom launched a new one called the Tom Tom Spark. Yep. I can't imagine that it would be in your price range though, just off the top of my head, um, because you know, it's it's a it's an all round. It does everything. But again, not again, one hundred percent sure that you would wear that in the water. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think your problem is you're you're going to get um, you're going to get some or not all, and then uh, when you get it all, will it be perfect for the for the conditions like the swimming, for example? Actually, the TomTom Spark definitely does have a heart yeah. rate monitor built into it, but yeah. again, I don't think it's going to fall in your price range. So does the Garmin two two? I think it's the two two five. Someone mentioned to me is that. Heart rate built in. Garmin 225. Uh, I'm going to have to try and look it up. Let's do that now. Wearables. Got love wearables. Uh, 225, you say. Uh, forerunner, that'd be, because yeah. that's how they, they describe their Garmin 225. That's about 400 bucks from memory. Yeah. GPS running watch with wrist based heart rate. Bingo. Okay. Uh, now this has got the the colour screen that um, their approach S6 you know golf watch has, so really nice colour screen on it. Not super vibrant like a like a smartphone or even a smartwatch, but still a very nice colour screen. Yep. Um, so it's got colourful kind of graphical interface. Um, but you know, four hundred bucks still slightly above your price range, but it's probably if there was a brand I would trust for everything you just wanted, 
Mm -hmm. the, my first go-to is Garmin. Not because yep. they're a sponsor or anything like that, just because I've seen a lot of their products on like serious professional athletes wear these body things. They're an interesting company to follow on uh, Instagram and the like because, you know, they have triathletes and stuff that are, you know, showing photos of these things because they're using them all the time. Yeah, um, that, that's my biggest concern is, is like getting getting one, spending that sort of three fifty four hundred dollars and then jumping in the pool and having it fail. So well, that, that's, yeah. that's why I always stray away from the, the brands that, you know, might be able to serve you at two two fifty. Trust yep. me, they won't have the durability, even if they still work. Like, I'm not suggesting water will get into them, but, mate, a, a, a wristwatch like this needs to be able to take a beating, not in terms of, you know, physical, you know, harm to it, but it needs to be able to endure, you know, cold, wet, dry, hot, sweat, you know, all that yep. kind of jazz. Um, the, the, the 225, the Forerunner 225, has the, the heart rate monitor on the back of the watch, so, you know, keep it nice and tight. Plus, you know, when you combine that with the Garmin Connect app, it's mate. It's very good training, let alone just general heart rate monitoring. So, yeah. mate, I think you are on a winner there. If you can find the the Forerunner two two five at a good price somewhere, you probably won't have to pay the three eighty nine retail. You might be able to get it slightly cheaper. Yeah. Um, and the, but the other one, as I say, to be um, fair, is the Tom Tom Spark. I I just quickly check what that one's worth around the shops. If it's been if the pricing's been announced, I know they had an announcement here in Australia. I couldn't get to the event, but. Um, okay. The, the Tom Tom Spark would probably be the only other one that I've heard of in recent times um, okay, that, that might be worth looking at. But, mate, you'd be very happy with the, with the Garmin. Yeah, I think so. And they seem to have a pretty big range, and I've got some Garmin stuff already, which I'm pretty happy with. Well, that's a good thing, too, especially stuff, so. when you the Garmin Connect app um, kind of links together. Man, I'm yep. looking on the, um, on the Rebel Sport website, the Garmin 4Runner 225 is 300 bucks. Okay. It's a hundred bucks less than you know their RRP. Yeah, it is. It's their RRP is three eighty nine, and the price is two ninety nine. Oh, I'll give them a buzz then, mate. You're in a you're on a winner there. Beautiful. All right, mate. Enjoy the heart rate monitoring. I wouldn't do it to myself because you know it's never a good look for me. I need to <laughs> need to get out and get active before I do that. That's it. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, mate, thank Thanks you for getting time. in touch. And if you've got a question about technology, jump on the blower one eight hundred one five seven one five seven. Or go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. So what do you do? You're, um, you start a company. You uh, grow it from just, I guess, you and a mate, two people, up to 500. Millions of dollars in funding comes in through all of the way these startups of the world work, and I'll never understand. Your company is responsible for billions, B for billions of dollars in transactions because what you do is provide commerce services, e-commerce solutions to, uh, to businesses around the world, and you've made it big. You're very successful. So what do you do? You, you go and retire. You buy an island. No. You find something that maybe bugged you or frustrated you about building a business, growing a business, and you turn that part of business for, on its head for the rest of the world. That is my summary, probably not accurate, but he, he may he may question me, but that is my summary of the story of Mitchell Harper, who is the co-founder of Big Commerce and is now behind a little startup called PeopleSpark. G'day, Mitch. How are you doing? Hey, Trevor. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty well. Um, so let's, let's talk about Big Commerce to start with. Obviously, you know, an unbelievable ride, an unbelievable story, but you've kind of uh, stepped back from that. It's right. It's, a, it's an amazing company, still going very well, but you've you've been able to been able to you know take a step back and and from an operational day to day role, and you've been able to unveil something that you've been working on for a while. I guess 
seeded through that evolution of building a company so big. Yeah, you're exactly right. When I was at Big Commerce, we grew the company, as you mentioned, from just Eddie and myself, the two founders, to today almost 500 people. And the big thing we focused on besides building a great product and doing marketing and everything like that was how do we build an enduring culture at the company? And I personally spent a lot of time on that from day one, you know, back in 2009, uh, and really thought a lot about how do we not just hire great people, but also retain them? What do we need to do to essentially create this recipe, if you like, around culture that we can use to scale the company? And, you know, a lot of companies do a great job building a culture when they're small, five, six, 10, 15 people. But yeah. when they get to hundreds of people or dozens of people, that all falls apart. And I think what we did at Big Commerce really well was figure out our recipe for culture and when I stepped away from the company uh, earlier in the year, we hired a great CEO to run the company. I'm still on the board. I'm still a shareholder, still an advisor to the company. Um, I was thinking about the problems in the world. I, I, I like to think about problems and how they can be solved by software or technology. Mm -hmm. And anyone that knows me knows that I'm always thinking about problems and ways to solve them. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to productize essentially the, you know, the culture blueprint or the, the culture recipes you like that we created a big commerce over the six years that I was there. And that's what I've done with PeopleSpark. So it's essentially a product that helps managers build better relationships and open the lines of communication with every single person on their team. And it's based on, as I mentioned, what we did at big commerce. So it includes everything we did well and what I learned there. And it doesn't include anything that we tested that didn't work. So it's essentially a team communication platform for managers to help their team do amazing things and to be productive and engaged as they scale their company. Now, the reason this piques my interest, and I mean piques, is because I work at an organisation of 1,200 people. Um, we, in my day job, obviously, in this podcast, just me, um, we, we have a very structured and, and you know, process-driven performance management process. Obviously, it has different fun and cool names, but... In, in reality, it's, you know, uh, check-ins and uh, quarterly and monthly and quarterly and yearly and half-yearly reviews and an outcome at the end of the year. And in fact, uh, about 18 months ago, I was tasked with scouring the internet, not actually flying around the world, but just scouring the internet for something new, uh, you know. And, and in fact, the, the then director of digital said, surely there's a startup working on this. Mate, I, one of the people I spoke to does your PR. And I said, there must, there must be someone. And at the time, he, you know, he didn't have an answer for me. And I, I spoke to a lot of companies, you know, huge organizations that are doing HR back-end systems and they provide this kind of stuff. But in the end, the only real value was if you had a call center and you could, you could, you could have a real mechanism around, you know, managing people's performance and giving stickers if they were doing well and all this kind of stuff. When I read about the concept of PeopleSpark, I went, oh, my God, that is exactly what we need. I manage a team of, you know, 20 people and the, the, the concept of pushing to them the question of how are we going and, and saying to them, let's get feedback, let's talk about how we're going and in, using that to inspire a conversation about how they're going and obviously, you know, pushing on from there. It, it's turning performance management, it's turning management of people on its head the way I read it. Is that your, have you, and with the greatest respect, you know, you created a, a huge company. I don't know your background before that. Did you experience the world of HR performance management before you created a company or have you just started this from scratch 
and in my view, landed upon possibly the secret recipe? Yeah, we when we were building Big Commerce, we felt the exact same pain that you were feeling when you were looking for a solution. So in the end, we ended up settling, if you like, on a quarterly review process, and we used a bunch of different tools, you know, Google surveys, SurveyMonkey, email, Tableau <laughs> to bring all the data together and chop it up. And that's where my frustration started. And exactly as you mentioned, I, I kind of, you know, put my proverbial fist in the air and said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And there wasn't. I looked at all the offerings out there. They were all based on quarterly or annual, um, you know, feedback loops and performance reviews. And to me, everything else in our life has gone real time. If I want to... You know, message you, I'll send you a DM on Twitter. If I want to see a photo of you, it's Instagram or Snapchat. Why hasn't employee feedback moved into the real-time space as well? Quarterly is way too long. Monthly is way too long. Um, weekly felt just right. And that's essentially how I came upon the idea for PeopleSpark, based on the frustrations I had building big commerce. Honestly, I'm looking at your website, peoplespark.com, and there's a, there's a picture here, a screenshot, be a leader, not a manager. And it says a weekly check-in. Check-in. Your check-ins for this week are shown below, and it has an employee, and it says 9 out of 10. This is how Lauren feels this week. What did you accomplish this week? Boom, and she's listed what she accomplishes. I mean, this is the problem with people management is when you sit down monthly, let alone quarterly or half-yearly, who remembers what they have been saying, what they did three months ago? I say to people in my one-to-ones with them, I say get a, get a pink or a green or a blue notepad, keep that in your top drawer, and make notes when you do cool things, big things, achieve things, and bring that coloured notepad to our meetings because that's the only way you're going to remember the things that you did. This, I mean, mate, it, it literally connects managers with employees. Do you think it works across all industries or do they have to be metric-driven industries? Yeah, I think it works across any company that has more than one person running the company. So obviously there's a lot of sole proprietors doing amazing work, whether they're designers or tradespeople. Uh, but the majority of companies that have two to a thousand employees, it doesn't matter what country you're in, which industry you're in, uh, how you structure what you build, how your teams are set up, the product works for you. So it really meets a, a huge need for essentially every single company in the world unless you're, you're a single employee in your company. And, and what is it, how does it work then? You know, I, I get the sense of the weekly check-ins. I get the sense of you're able to get an overall pulse of your team, let alone an individual. And obviously at upper levels, there'd be people who had to look down at it and go, well, that's how that area is feeling, performing or whatever. Also, you'd get real-time feedback on you know, issues, whether they're you know, public relations disasters or whatever. You'd get real-time kind of feedback. What, what's the process, though, for you? As a, as a manager of a huge company, what's the process at the end of the year? What do you do? Do you just look back on the, the, uh, the, the chart for that person's feelings or do, have you been putting, you know, five stars against some things, one star against other? How do you then wrap up the year? Or, or are you turning that on its head as well and saying, well, no, we don't do an annual wrap-up. We, we just continue to go monthly, weekly. Yeah, I think it's a balance between moving to weekly check-ins and still needing some way to measure progress over the year through the quarters and at the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, because if people need reward, right? Performance-based rewards. Right, if, yeah. right, right. If you have investors, if you have shareholders, they want to see things every quarter or every year. So one of the best ways to do that is to take one of the reports we have in the product, and there are many, which shows the happiness of people in your company. So you can say, for example, at the beginning of the year, our average employee was six out of 10 for happiness. And over the year, that moved up to seven, eight, eight and a half, nine out of 10. So we've dramatically improved 
the happiness and productivity of everyone in the company, which has led to this increase in revenue, this increase in output, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, while in a perfect world, we would scrap the idea of looking at performance over the year or over a quarter, there are definitely needs for that. And we do want to move everyone away from that. We are looking at disrupting performance reviews. I want to get rid of the quarterly and annual performance review and move every single company in the world to a weekly process between the manager and every single person on their team. I I just thank you and Bookie for not saying you're Uber for performance management. I think that's critical. (laughs) It's not a way to sell your company. But let let me turn it on its head there and, and, and analyze one other thing. Negative performance, bad performance. So Lauren Miller, the example employee on your screen, hopefully isn't a real person. Um, uh, she may feel 9 out of 10. She may think she closed four new accounts, but actually she was an absolute terrible person to her colleagues and, you know, there's some work needed in there. How, how does that happen? How does negative feedback happen that we've discussed? We might sit down and discuss it, but it needs to be recorded and therefore... You know, that is what's counting against her at the end of the year or the end of the quarter going or the end of the week, frankly, um, being judged as being, you know, a high-performing um, employee. Sure. Well, I think there's two views on performance. There's the employee's view on how they're doing and how they're feeling, and there's the manager's view. And the way People Spark works is the feedback between managers and employees is private just to them. So... When an employee completes a check-in every week, it's not shared with the other people on their team. It's not shared with everyone in the company. It's, uh, you know, I like to say it's an intimate conversation between the manager and the employee. Yes. And so if the employee thinks they're a 9 out of 10, but the manager thinks they're a 6 out of 10, for example, yeah. in terms of what they're doing, then it's up to the manager to use people's spark and actually let them know, you know, hey, Lauren, it's great that you close four accounts, but remember, we said your goal was to close eight this week. Yeah. So let's talk about that in our one-on-one on Friday, for example. Yeah. So it's a really great way for them to kind of set the stage for what they will talk about in their one-on-ones when they catch up in person. Uh, because a lot of the times, one-on-ones aren't structured, they aren't focused, and they can be really valuable. You just need to have the talking points, which can come from the, the conversations you're having through the check-ins on Spark. A lot easier to have a talking point when it's recorded weekly as opposed to quarterly or half yearly isn't it that's the that's essentially your philosophy is let's break the habit of you know yearly half yearly and bring it to weekly it makes it more more now it makes it more current and you've turned the software wise you've turned it on its head by developing i'm assuming and i haven't used it but i'm looking at you know screenshots and things you've created what is a very modern fresh easy to use um software as a service you know cloud-based thing that any nufty who may not have ever used a HR system before can just simply click through and work through. And, uh, you know, that, again, is the challenge of many of these style systems, right? It is. You know, there's, there's a few different players in this space, and they all tend to focus on the manager, and they all tend to use kind of HR-type words like engagement, like benchmarking. Um, we, we, did, we did away with all of that. We focused on the individual contributors who are the ones, let's be honest, that do the real work inside companies. They're the ones that we need to get to use a product. So we thought about how can we make the product fun? And that's not really a a term you hear in software, right? Most people don't create software that's fun. They create it for managers, for CEOs, for marketing departments. So we wanted to bring the consumer type approach to the software, which means the design is beautiful, the product's really simple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like HR software. It doesn't feel like something that you have to do every week. We wanted to make it feel more like Slack, 
more like a Facebook, more like a Twitter. And I think we've, you know, for the first version of the product, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And it's achievable for people at all levels. So if you're a business, you don't have to, I mean, that's the thing. We talk about businesses, companies. You, you can be a, a team of, you know, up to 10 people and, you know, be using it for like 50 bucks a month. I mean, this is a, this is a subscription-style service that can be implemented in any business with the simple matter of signing up. Is that your, your process? I mean, that's, that's the whole goal here, right? Yeah, you've got to make software as simple as possible to use and as simple as possible to pay for if they like it. So the product is a 14-day free trial. It's really affordable. You know, we we work with companies of up to a thousand employees. We're not going for the super large corporations uh, or enterprise customers right now. We're focusing on helping teams build great relationships between managers and the individual contributors, and then we're going to go from there moving forward. Well, as I said, congratulations. It. It blows my mind, and here's, here's, here's my simple prediction for you. I know big commerce is big, and I know that you know managing transactions is huge, but this is a space that could be bigger in my mind. Uh, you know, the world of HR, the world of uh, you know management, the world of you know corporate entities is massive. And then you know all you got to do is multiply whatever your average you know salary, uh, average cost per per user is across the world, and you've got yourself something massive on its hand and, and genuinely I looked I mean I you know I, I probably didn't come across a couple of things but I looked at a lot of services yours is absolutely unique it is fantastic and I wish you all the best with it mate I appreciate that Trevor our mission is to make one million people happier at work so it's a big goal and I think we can get there in the next few years Thank you very much for listening. We do it all each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology. You can find them at garmin.com.au and golfers, you know, don't forget. And if there's a golfer in your life, you've got to tip to them about this product. It's one of those things that people don't even know about. Some people have never heard of this, but when they see it, they'll be blown away. <clears throat> this one, excuse me, is called the Approach, the Approach S6. About 500 bucks. It's a smartwatch specifically for golfers. This is first-of-its-kind GPS technology. It's slim, it's light, and it features swing tempo, tempo training, and swing strength. The smartwatch can actually help you with the tempo of your swing. So it can actually beep and give you alerts as to when to swing. It can give you information on how hard you swung. There's a dedicated course view button, green view for manual pin positioning, pinpoint to blind shot assistance tells you where the pin is even if you can't see it, touchscreen, glove friendly, and precise distances for more than 30,000 international courses. No subscriptions, no fees. Fantastic product for golfers. Check it out at garmin.com.au. Now, a couple of things on the website I wanted you to draw your attention to and tell you about, but if you want to see photos, go to eftm.com.au. The first one's some headphones for kids. Um, now, if you've got kids, simple Christmas. Um, I was going to say something additional there, but there's sometimes kids listening, but sometimes you need little gifts to, to bolster up the, the Christmas goodness, and you'll know what I mean, parents. Um, these are 25 bucks, and they are headphones for kids. They are called iFrogs, I-F-R-O-G-Z, Z. They're at big W, 25 bucks. Now, the reason they're amazing is twofold. One, they look awesome. My, my five-year-old has a beautiful princess pair with a little tiara on the top. They're purple and pink. They're lovely. My four-year-old boy has a little orange pair that have like a, like a, a lion's mane and little ears on the top. They look super cute. 
That's awesome. Kids want to wear them. But more importantly for you, they have a built-in decibel limit. So the kids can't crank the volume up. They simply won't push volume out past, I think it's 85 decibels. Um, so no matter what they're listening to, how they're listening, they can't push the volume past that point. Right? It's so cool. So it keeps their ears safe, keeps you safe because you don't have to listen to the garbage they're listening to. It's very cool. They're called iFrogs, and you will find information and photos of my beautiful little children at eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. Another one I put up there this week um, is from Laser. Uh, L-A-S-E-R. Uh, Laser have these... <laughs> It sounds like a G-up, right? But I, I, honest to goodness, it's not. They have basically Ziploc bags for your smartphone and tablet, right? They're called smart sleeves. Um, for a smartphone, they come in a 10-pack. Um, I think they're $12.95. For a tablet, they come in a 5-pack for $15.95. No, you don't carry your phone around every day in one. But when you're going to the beach or by the pool, or you're, a tra- as Peter Bell on 6PR pointed out to me, you're a tradie who... And I, I mentioned this on, on, my, on the website. You're, maybe you're doing some home renovations. You, you don't have one of those bulky phone covers. Put it in one of these so that you can still control your music, so you're calling. You can even text people. But spill some paint on it, no drama. Drop it in the pool, no drama. Because it's protected. It's such a simple idea. So it's from Laser, L-A-S-E-R. They're called the Smart Sleeves. Protect your phone from water, sand, and dirt. They are resealable. Um, and as I said, they come in a pack of 10 for smartphones, pack of five for tablets. Uh, you can check them out at laserco, L-A-S-E-R-C-O.com.au, and you buy them at Big W on Officeworks. So cool. Simple little stocking filler, shall we say, was the kind of thing I was getting at earlier. Uh, laser, L-A-S-E-R. Check them out. Uh, you're listening to Your Tech Life. So the... Other one I wanted to mention quickly was we did the story on a current affair tonight, exclusively revealed. No, not really a big deal. But um, um, the, the Costco, so big. You know, if you're not in, if you're not in the Sydney or Canberra or the big cities, you probably don't know about these guys. But Costco is a huge warehouse that sells stuff on bulk. So, look, I won't lie. Uh, we go there for toilet paper deodorant, you know, big stuff you buy regularly. So I might buy like a six-pack of Rexona deodorant instead of buying one at Woolies. You buy it in bulk, you get a better price. You buy a 1,000 toilet rolls instead of 24, it's much cheaper. Um, you know, they sell everything from um, diamond rings to boats, cubby houses. I mean, it's ridiculous what they sell. But they've just launched mobile center kiosks. So these are stores within the store. So essentially, this is the company behind all phones, have launched these little kiosks. So you can now go into a Costco store and buy a smartphone, Samsung and the like, um, uh, Huawei, Oppo, a bunch of different smartphones. You can buy them there outright. Um, and you can also sign up for SIM plans uh, with Vodafone. And they're offering deals that are specific to Costco members. So you can't just walk in a Costco and shop. You have to be a member. But if you're a member, you can sign up and um, you know get an extra gig of data on your Vodafone plan, for example. So... You know, just another option for you. If you're, if you're going to buy that particular plan and you are a Costco member, you're crazy to buy it direct from Vodafone, right? Go to Costco. You get Vodafone's customer service, but, you know, you get the extra gig. I mean, it's simple, right? So some basic details on that are, are at eftm.com.au. And, of course, you can uh, check out on the, the story on from A Current Affair on ACA, 
www.9msn.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Anytime you want, you can get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Jump on Twitter, at Trevor Long, or uh, you can call, leave a message on 1-800-157-157. Let's go back to the phones. G'day, Darcy. Hey there, Trevor. I'm um, cool up because I want to talk to you a little bit about an Apple TV app we've built. You have built an Apple TV app? Yeah. So, so- um, for context, we're a little team here in Melbourne, um, and we've been thinking about it for a while. And when Apple announced that they were opening up Apple TV apps to pretty much anyone, we jumped on it and, yeah, decided to kind of make something that we thought would be a little bit fun and a little bit useful. What has your team in Melbourne been doing before this? Um, so we've been working for the last two years doing movie discovery, or the, the kind of simple explanation and a bit stupid is Tinder for movies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the kind of like uh, swipe left or right if you want to see a movie. Okay. Um, but, but more interestingly for most people, especially with the kind of like number of choices like Netflix and Presto and all of that exploding, mm. um, we, we also do something that kind of lets people find where they can watch the movies. So we take movies across all of them and tell you they're here or here or here. Um, so you don't have to spend all your time comparing the catalogs yourself. So le- this is very interesting. I love the idea. So talk me through how you then become useful to an Apple TV user who can already say, hey, Siri, find me, you know, the latest episode of whatever, or find me, um, you know, Wolverine or whatever, you know, so name stuff. And, and Siri will already show me information based on where it can be watched. Why... Why you? Why your app? So the big thing that's different about our approach to site is in series approach, you're either very specific about you want. You have something in mind, like for using your example, Wolverine, or like James Bond, um, or you're very, very broad. You're like, I want action movies. Um, Mm -hmm. So our approach is actually slightly different. We go, okay, we know a lot about different movies. um, And if you're using our iPhone app, we know specifically about the movies you're interested in. and so we can then ask you a couple of questions. And so instead of you having to come up with a very general topic or a very specific movie, we just very quickly narrow it down. So you do get down to, say, three choices in our case, but you're not expected to know specifically what they are and you're not going to have to sort through hundreds of them yourself. Um, and the other interesting side of what we do is uh, we're very group-oriented. So whether it's just you or a group of friends or um, like our, our personal use cases where all couples um, in the team, uh, we know the pain of sitting down with your partner and trying to decide what to watch. Um, so we specifically built it that we know both of you have different tastes. So how do we kind of narrow it down to something that both of you want to watch? So you're not stuck watching, um, in my case, like stuck watching Dance Mums again. <laughs> uh, you wait till it gets to Real Housewives of wherever the hell, man. That's the pain. That's the pain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to those days. <laughs> so, okay, this is very interesting because... You're you you know you're not competing with Siri or what Apple's doing. You're you're creating a, another layer above that essentially to to create a, a, a more enhanced user experience. Yeah, and where so like I mentioned before, we do the finding where to watch something. So Siri uh, and the Apple TV itself do that already. So if you go to a movie on it, it will say okay, it's available on Netflix on that. Um, but on top of saying doing that more general different approach that's useful. Um, we still link through to the iTunes pages, but because we know a lot more about different places movies are available from, we can also tell people. So the one area I guess we are competing is we can tell people different places. So, for instance, in Australia, we already link to items on Stan um, on top of the standard Netflix and iTunes. Or 
Um, as you've no doubt seen, people in Australia switching countries on Netflix. We show you all the Netflix countries, not just your current country. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah. here, here's where um, – how do you get the data? Because I've got to be honest, and don't hate me, had no idea your app existed. Your app on the iPhone is called Guide, G-Y-D-E. Is that correct? Yep, and, yeah, we're not very good at selling ourselves, I'm going to be honest. We've been around for a while, and we've never really pushed it. So, because um, I've got all the services. I've played with them all. I think I let my Presto lapse, and I just renewed my stand so that I could watch no activity, but I'd probably switch it off soon, you know, and get it back when I need it. But I had this thing the other week where I went, there's this movie I want to watch, and I just I had to go to Google and search, um, you know, Crocodile Dundee, Netflix, nothing. Crocodile Dundee, Presto, nothing. Crocodile Dundee, Stan. And then if you're lucky, there's, there's SEO that points you there. But I've just searched for Crocodile Dundee on your app, and it's down the bottom, it says Stan. Uh, it's yeah, right it's- there, straight away. It's an interesting thing. Like, we support um, pretty much all of the major players in Australia. The only one we don't do is Presto, um, and that's a conversation for another day. But all the ones like Stan, Netflix, um, and we're kind of slowly working towards doing TV. So at the moment, we're only movies, but TV is this whole other world. And when we do go to TV, we also do, like, all the catch-up networks. Um, But where do you get the data? So So with catch-up networks, you can get it through the EPG that's kind of broadcast, I guess. Um, uh, it varies a lot and a little bit of it's kind of like secret source of the company. Mm. Um, in certain cases, we actually work directly where the com- uh, with the companies where we can. Um, so we, we try and like negotiate with them to give us access to the data and exchange, give them value from having access to that. Right. Um, so we have like a lot of industry reports and that sort of stuff. We send out a um, weekly email with all the new stuff for different people. And in other cases, for instance, like we license it from other people or build it ourselves where possible. It's kind of a mix mash of a lot of different things, um, kind of using what's suitable where possible and all that sort of stuff. Because you know you're in dangerous territory, right? You know the TV companies, the movie companies, they all freaking out about this stuff, right? Because the the issue of content discovery, I don't need to tell you this, but I'll, just for the listeners, the issue of content discovery is that, you know, if uh, Big, uh, Big Bang Theory is probably a great example. You can watch that now on 7, mate. Watch it on Channel Nine. Uh, I think you can watch that on Presto. You know, you can probably buy it on iTunes. So, if someone says, "Hey Siri, show me an episodes of Big Bang Theory," it's who comes first? You know, who what 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 service gets shown first in that list? Now, how do you play that, or is that not an issue at this point because there just isn't that wealth of shared content yet? So, so we tend to focus on what the user wants. So the end goal for everything we do is like the people sitting at home trying to decide to watch. We want the thing that's most convenient for them. Um, and so we're lucky in a lot of things. So using Big Bang Theory is a good example. Um, there's like the content rights are so fragmented that one like place will have one episode, but they won't have all the rest or like they'll have the newest yes. episodes with a delay on anything older. Um, so our goal is usually what is the easiest way for the person to watch it? Um, and, and either that comes down to, in the case of Guide, for instance, we let the people, like we have some fairly sane defaults in just of what everyone has, like Netflix and that first, but we actually encourage our users to go through and configure it and change it to what they personally want. Mm. So we're not making that decision. Um, 
on the Apple TV, for instance, as an example, that specific problem of choosing what's first uh, comes down to, yeah, what is the user like already using? So for instance, if we know they're using Netflix, um, you can detect, like you can't tell what country they're in Netflix or anything like that, but you can tell they have Netflix on their Apple TV. Um, we already know they probably have a subscription, so we can say prioritize based on that. So short yeah. answer is, the goal of showing for us isn't about necessarily making a judgment call about what's best or anything along those lines. Uh, we come down to what's easiest for the person and most likely to have the specific piece of content they want. Yeah. For the last five minutes, I've been swiping up on your movie list and I reckon I've swiped left, which means I've seen it like twice. And uh, that just shows how, how few movies I watch. And the worst part is that when I, when I look at what I have watched, what about this, Toy Story 3, Frozen, Finding Nemo, um, yeah, no, I've got kids, you can tell. But um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an unbelievable concept. Uh, you must have been watching, I mean, I was in San Francisco at the event when they announced it. You must have been watching that nerdily like the rest of us, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning or whatever it was, going, oh, my God, this is awesome. We can now, this is what we're going to do next. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's been something that's been on our mind for years. Like, um, so before working on Guide with, um, so there's three founders and I'm the tech one. Um, before working on that, I was working for a music company doing like very similar stuff. Um, and I remember the point about four years ago, just clicking the idea that people are already used to paying five or six dollars to rent a movie pretty happily. Um, and as an app developer, paying that much for your app is like insane, right? Most people yeah, exactly. kind of scoff at a dollar nineteen when a cup of coffee in Melbourne is like three dollars fifty, as an example. So realizing that it's been over the last like three or four years, this kind of steady ticking thing of possibilities ticking over. And the moment they finally announced it, and there's been rumors for years and years, was this giant, like, it's finally possible what we can do. And as a developer um, who works across everything, like I work on the iPhone and I do all the behind the scenes stuff, it's fascinating because it's very, very raw and very early. But yeah. at the same point, they've nailed a lot of things no one else has yet. Yeah. Um, How on and, earth? And go on. Um, you go, sorry. No, go on. I was going to say, it's especially fascinating thing. Like, um, so in the process of building guide, we play with a lot of the different devices from around the world. Um, as an example, like the Roku, which in the US is one of the biggest, if not the biggest streaming set-top yes. box. Um, and the Fire TV and that. It's interesting thing. So um, for the context of listeners who might not have seen it, Telstra recently launched um, a rebranded version of the yeah, Roku Telstra in Australia. TV, yeah. Um, and while it's like the Roku's a fantastic device, it's fantastic software, they're still going to be limited by distribution and app availability. And Apple's absolutely correct in their event. Like they talk about apps being the future of TV. That's it. Um, and without those apps, you're kind of, kind of hamstrung trying to catch up and compete. Assuming all the apps are built correctly and, and share their data so that you can you know, search across catch-up TV apps and things like that, I guess that's the future. How, just last question. I mean... And again, this is just me yep. as, an, as an idiot trying to understand. I just downloaded your app. I just installed it. I'm swiping up. I'm swiping up. How on earth? You haven't got any money out of me. How, how do you make money? Uh, so at the moment, we're classical startup story, <laughs> trying to work it out. Um, so yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different things. So the original version of Guide, so the version you're using hasn't really been touched for probably the last year. We've done little fixes here and there. Um, and it's things like experimenting with advertising and all that sort of stuff. Um, we're, we're working on something new that has a kind of like more premium offering that we're not quite ready to talk about yet. Um, and the goal being like create a compelling, uh, useful experience for people, something that in their home living room, 
um, like you can't live without, especially yep. when you have so much choice between services. Yep. That we can hopefully a directly charge people for that, but also offer advertising, which I know everyone kind of dislikes advertising, but offer advertising in a non-intrusive way, so actual use of uh, useful things. In the uh, end, your like, your your power, your um, what do you call it? Your asset is your knowledge of people's habits, your ability to serve up recommendations. You know, it's all well and good for yeah. Netflix to be an amazing recommendations engine, but if someone can do that across all services, then we have Utopia, and that gets pretty exciting, which is the space you're in. So it's very exciting, mate. Yeah. Decide, D-E-C-Y-D-E, is available now in the um, uh, Apple TV app store? Yep, um, available since about last week. And if you, yeah, I think if you type in DEC, there's unfortunately no way to link to it. But if you type DEC, you know, it should show up as one of the first results. Yeah, because you can't say, hey, Siri, I want to download Decide because she'll be like spelling it wrong, man. <laughs> the number of times we've gotten that with Guide trying to search for it, I feel like we should probably change our name. Mm, I have a thing about weird names, but good luck if you, <laughs> if you think. I mean, it is obviously a unique name helps you with keywords and, uh, you know, cutting, cutting through on, on Google. But, uh, yeah, it does make discovery for the, um, for the individual sometimes a bit more difficult. But that's okay. You'll get there, D-E-C-Y-D-E. And the, and the iPhone app is Guide, G-Y-D-E. Uh, good on you, mate. Lovely to hear from you and, and a great idea. I hope it goes really well for you. Cheers, and thank you for having me. Get in touch anytime you like. If you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, you can uh, go on the phone, one eight hundred one five seven one five seven, or jump on the website eftm.com.au. Now, National Recycling Week, uh, November 9 to 15. We're right in the middle of it now, and um, Planet Arc have launched an interesting little concept here. They've launched an app. Now, they say there's an app for everything, but is, did you ever think there'd be an app for teaching your kids the basics of recycling when it comes to some of the uh, technology products in our lives. Well, Ryan Collins, the recycling, recycling programs manager for Planet Arcs on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Trevor? Yeah, really well. I mean, um, the game, the app, is called Recycle Rescue, very much aimed at kids, but a bit of fun uh, for anyone. Um, what, what motivates uh, you, you to go, let's build an app for, for this education process? Yeah, well, uh, we know that um, lots of kids are using their smartphones. Uh, You know, half of kids nowadays use a tablet. Uh, We also know that uh, kids are pretty good recyclers and and the stuff that they learn, uh, they take home with them. Uh, So we wanted to create an app that raised awareness um, amongst those school kids uh, to start recycling their old technology. Um, and along the way, help them learn about the, the benefits of recycling that electronic waste. And is there something in it about getting, getting the kids to do the educating of the, uh, the mums and dads there? Yeah, well, that's, that's right. Um, I mean, we, we probably learn a bit of tech stuff about, uh, from kids as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, jumping on that bandwagon and, and getting them to bring their recycling habits home is probably mm. a good thing. So um, the simple point of the game is uh, there's two key uh, types of, of recycling. You've got your mobile muster collection box, which people can find around the place for mobile phones, and then there's the uh, cartridges for Planet Art collection box. And you know, things fall from the from the top of the screen. You got to swipe them left, swipe them right to uh, land them in the in the right box. Um, it's interesting, actually. When I played the game, I, I I'll be honest, I hadn't thought about the smaller ink cartridges. I've always thought at work, you know, when you work in a big organisation, you've got big printers, you take the toner out, and you think, well, that 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 goes goes in a separate box that needs to go somewhere because that can be recycled but 
I'd never thought about the little ones, you know, just your little home HP printer and uh, making sure that you actually do something different with them because that's as important as, as the bigger stuff, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the background to the game. Um, mobile Master and, and ourselves, Punny and I, got together uh, and we were looking at the theory of selective perception. So, oh. so this, is, this is a process by which we see what we expect to see. So our, our judgment and decision-making is constantly being distorted um, on an array of biases, and we don't tend to recognise our own bias. So we wanted to create a, a selective perception challenge where users can learn to recognise those types of materials um, as well as the bins that they go in. Very cool. So what are, what are the other kind of things that people should be thinking about and be aware of during a week like National Recycling Week when really, I mean, it's not like we're suddenly recycling this week. It's more about, um, you know, just creating a focus for people on recycling. You know, I love my local council, just a random thing here, but my local council does bin inspections now and then where they put a big sticker on our recycling bin, you know, saying, well done, if, if you've been good at your recycling. That kind of thing raises good awareness. Is that the, the concept around uh, a week like this is to say to people, you know what, we actually do need to think about the fact that mobile phones will be recycled and just keep talking about it? Yeah, well, that's right. Um, the, the recycling industry is constantly evolving, so there's always uh, new products that we can recycle and, and new processes. Uh, so uh, this year we actually asked um, seven, seven of the big questions uh, of recycling, such as, you know, what happens to my recycling? Uh, what are the benefits? Uh, what are the common mistakes? Uh, and the week is basically about uh, raising awareness and education. Mm. You've got a pretty interesting background, mate. You come come from a banking and finance industry and then you moved into environmental conservation. I mean, what's the, what's the link there? Is it because you wanted to, you saw yourself wanting to actually do something other than just make money for a bank? Or how, does, how does one get drawn from that, that one industry to another? Yeah, pretty much. I think I got to a stage in my career where it was either, uh, you know, do I push on with this? I'm not really enjoying it. Um, or do I want to, you know, work working something that's um, a bit more meaningful to me? Mm. Um, yeah, so I I took a career change mm. and um, yeah, never looked back. Well, uh, it's taken me to take, taken me to some nice South Pacific islands, and um, um, yeah, it's been a great experience. Very cool stuff, and it must be rewarding almost every day to think that um, even the little things make a big difference, and and that's I guess what it's all about about chipping away at it uh, slowly but surely, and that's the continual conversation we need to have. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Planet Arc tries to provide uh, easy actions for, that anyone can, can do, whether it's, uh, you know, learning a bit more about recycling or providing information uh, online. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we try, try to do. Good on you, Ryan. Uh, the app is called Recycle Rescue. You know, the interesting thing is because it gets cut off on me. It just says Recycle on the, on the iPhone. Is it available on Android as well or just iPhone? It is. It's available on Android too, yeah. Beautiful. It's very easy to play. Um, look, I actually have to say I did pretty well first go. I, I did pretty really? darn well, yes. But I'm going to give it to the kids tomorrow morning. That's where I think it gets interesting, okay? That's where I want to see, I want to see what the kids do. It came up with a warning, don't, because other things other than cartridges and whatnot come down, um, you know, food and cats and dogs and things. What happens when you touch the netball? It said, don't touch the netball. I was nervous. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's all sorts of little objects uh, that uh, yeah, you're not supposed to touch. So okay. um, I guess you'll just have to download it and see what happens. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it again. I might intentionally do something wrong to see if anything uh, crazy happens. All right, mate, good on you, oh, well. and, uh, and good luck with the rest of the uh, National Recycling Week. Great. Thanks very much, Trevor. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Episode 305, thank you for listening, thank you for downloading. Anytime you want, you can jump on the blower, 1-800-157-157, or you can go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Chris. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Very well. What can I do for you? Trevor, I've had a subscription to Netflix. Uh, it was a complimentary one, oh, and nice. I found that it's it's over, and now it's telling me that, you know, I need to rejoin, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. When, when I go in to, you know, rejoin, it keeps coming up that I need to go to a VPN. And I'm just wondering, do I need to go to a VPN? I had trouble with streaming. If I go to a VPN, will that get rid of all the problems of streaming? Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? What on earth is telling you to go to a VPN? Is it the... Is it the website or, or an app? Where where is it telling you to go to a VPN? When I when I do do to go in to go to Netflix yeah. Australia on on what device? Where are you doing this? Uh, on an iPad. Okay, on an iPad. Yes. I have an Apple TV. Yep. So you know, I was going to go and rejoin, and you know, it keeps coming up. Go to a, a VPN, and I've I've not heard of a VPN, but I now know what a VPN is. Right. I I, I I honestly don't think you're even on the Netflix website. I mean, there's no way Netflix is telling people to use a VPN. It's just just wouldn't happen. Um, just. Just for people who don't know what a VPN, it's a virtual private network. Oh, no, I'm, I'm well aware of what that is. Um, no, no, but I'm, there are other people who are listening in. If we get to the point of talking about VPNs, we'll explain yeah. it what it is. But I just don't see how you're even being told to go to a VPN. If I go to Netflix.com, it brings me to the Australian Netflix. If my subscription is invalid, it simply asks me to resubscribe. So I don't think... Yeah, I just don't think you're on the Netflix website. I don't think you're... You're using an authorised, you know, front door to Netflix because Netflix doesn't actively promote VPNs. Um, are you? Did you have a Netflix subscription before they launched in Australia? No. So, how did you originally get your Netflix subscription? You got a little card, or a, like you signed uh, up for the thirty days? It was day? with the Sydney Morning Herald. Okay, and did you sign up like on the Apple TV or on the iPad, or was there a, a computer? Uh, you no, used? I signed it up on the Mac. Yep. Yep. And so uh, to go on to the Apple, I, uh, the Apple TV, yes. and then it, it's finished. Um, the subscription's finished, and you know, went in to watch Netflix, and it told me that my my um, there was a problem. So I went to go in through to Netflix mm. uh, on Saturday to try mm. and sort this out, and that's what I kept coming up with. So I tried several times, and that's what I kept coming up with. So are you I doing that on the Netflix further. app? On the iPad or via the Safari browser? Via the Safari browser. Okay. So you should be able to do it within the app. So download the Netflix app um, right. and put in your Netflix username and password, and it will probably just come up and say that your subscription has expired. Um, and then it'll prompt you to you know, put in a credit card, and that's how you uh, continue your subscription. But I, I'm very nervous for you as to where you are 
getting that message about the VPN. So what I want to do is I'm going to, I've got your email. I'm going to send you mine so that you've got my email address. Right. Do you know how to take a screenshot on an iPad? Uh, no. So but I've got, I've got, a, I've got, in saying that, I do have an iPhone, so I can take a screenshot. Worst case, easy, <laughs> worst case scenario, you can take a photo of the screen of the iPad. Yes. Um, so, how, interesting little fact, how you take a screenshot on either an iPad or an iPhone is you press the power and home button at the same time. So if you push them okay. both at the same time, a little, kind of the screen flashes and it saves that into the camera roll um, as, a, as an image. Now, I want to see, if you can bring back that VPN message, I want to see it. So I'd love right. to see the message. Um, now, your, your question, I mean, let's, let's talk about VPNs quickly. Um, obviously, the reason to use a VPN is to uh, make Netflix or any other website think that you are in a different country, and most people would say in America. And what that will do is it'll give you access to the American uh, Netflix library, which is much, much deeper. They have a bigger catalogue of shows on the American Netflix. But um, that's that doesn't make it easier to, to use. Having a VPN is, is another cost, for example. It's, you know, 5 to 10 or $20 a month. Um, it's not always simple to do. Um, you need to set up a few settings on your router. Um, but if, if you know you really want to do it, there's ways of doing it. I just don't see the purpose because there's a bunch of really great content on Stan and Netflix and Presto. What sort of internet do you have? Uh, we're on cable. But in, say, in saying that, there, it would, uh, what I am interested is in audio described, and there's not a lot of audio described stuff on Netflix Australia or, or Stan. There's not a lot of audio described even on iTunes. What does audio described uh, mean? Correct my, uh, my, my uh, Audio described are for people who are visually impaired, mm. and what happens is it fills in the detail that we as sighted people see that yes. they don't see. Right. So in other words, it would say to, um, for instance, uh, if they were... It will describe the scene as if it's being narrated. It will describe the scene yes. or if, if there is um, somebody does something and there's a, a very funny facial expression, it will tell them you know, that they've pulled um, a yeah, sour right. face or they're laughing very gaily. And and were you getting that before with Netflix? That's why I'm wondering, wondering no, whether no, no, you I didn't have the American Netflix. No, 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 I wasn't getting that before with Netflix. But, but I know that um, mm. there's a lot, I believe, on the UK site with that's audio described because um, yeah. the rest of the world is far ahead of Australia when it comes to audio described. And, and so obviously that goes back to your question of should you get a VPN because if you did have a VPN, you may be able to jump into, a, into the UK and become have access to those audio-described products over there, I guess. So, you know, there may be benefits to a VPN for you in that case, Um, but that doesn't solve the problem of why you're getting that message in the first place. You should simply be able to open up Netflix and renew your subscription with a credit card. Very simple. Um, You shouldn't be sent around around the the houses to get to get a VPN. Well, the default. one that kept coming up was Golden Frog, mm, which is why I, I just yeah I really want to see that screenshot because it feels to me like you're, um, and on an iPad you're not going to have a virus on an iPad. I just feel like you're you're being sent to a different website or or something. So yeah, I'd be keen to help you out with that. But but in indirectly, I'd be going back to your Mac uh, and going to Netflix.com in Safari and seeing whether you get the same message there and trying to renew your subscription. Oh, that, that's absolutely great. I, I mean, at that stage, I didn't even know what a VPN was. Yes, you've done a bit of research then. That's good. Oh, yes, I, I do a lot of research. 
All right. Well, good luck. Let, let, send me that screenshot. I'd love to help you more. If, if you, uh, certainly, without doubt, I'd want to see that message. But otherwise, give the renewal a try and then, and then let me know if, if I can help you further. Thanks, Trevor. Good Thanks for your time. Thanks, Chris. And uh, if you've got a question about technology, problem with technology, just get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. I'm bitterly disappointed in you all. That's true. I didn't get that much feedback from the end of last week's show. You know, poor little Harry spent a lot of time putting his voice to that um, end of show ditty. Uh, and I feel disappointed by the amount of feedback I got. I'm just being honest with you. And I think it's because people realise that when I start to talk like this, the show's wrapping up. It's like, yeah, I'll hit stop, whatever. So no ditty this week. But, you know, maybe listen back to last week's, listen to the last minute. And, uh, you know, tweet me. You've got to say nice things. Say nice things, you get nice things. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Back again next week with Your Tech Life. We shall talk to you then. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.